you know why you guys can't hear me? Because I have my headset plugged in. <laughs> the fact that you could hear me at all is spectacular. So hopefully somebody just chime in right now and tell me if you can hear me better now. <laughs> I love Mercury retrograde. It reminds us all the time uh, being humble, <laughs> coming back and being uh, smart. Yes, much better. Okay, well, you didn't hear all my yammering. That's good. Uh, what we are talking about today is, <laughs> is the astrology for the weekend, the astro design for the weekend, and then we're going to dive into galactic astrology as I wanted to on Monday, but couldn't because the servers were down on the website. And that means today we're going to get a chance to do that. So as well, I'll need some volunteers out there for people who want to uh, allow me to use their birth information to construct a chart and then kind of go through that uh, with people online. I won't be able to do it for all, but um, <laughs> Tom says we missed all the profanity. Well, I really wasn't cussing. I was really kind of happy. It's going to be a beautiful day and all of that. Um, what can I say? Sometimes the universe just wants to make us laugh. All right, so let's dig in quickly because there's a lot to talk about for the weekend, but also I want to have plenty of time to talk about the galactic astrology stuff. So let's start with the moons for the weekend. We have two, one moving in or in Leo that is going to complete by early tomorrow. Well, midday tomorrow for most of us. And then moving into Virgo, one of my favorite places for the moon to get things done. And it's funny because I've almost been thinking ahead to, you know, what I wanted to do uh, in terms of, you know, getting my wardrobe switched over to, to summer and what things do I want to let go of, all of that good stuff. So it's kind of great that the moon will be in Virgo. It'll give me the energy to be able to do that. Uh, but let's start with where it is today, today in the sign of Leo. And today then puts it in a square with Mercury in retrograde and also a square with Uranus, both of those uh, planets, Mercury and Uranus in the sign of Taurus. And of course, Taurus and Leo, both fixed signs, meaning they have a tendency to get stuck or to stay. Uh, they give us longevity and perseverance energy, but sometimes they can get stuck. So the square to Mercury retrograde might be where are you getting into thinking ruts and how can you pop yourself out of the old rut of thinking or believing or communicating and move forward. The square to Uranus might really bring up this place where you're feeling a little bit like you are constricted or constrained in some way and Uranus yearns to break free and liberate us so there may be this sort of feeling uh this today especially of that moon squaring those two bodies later in the day we get to a sextile with Venus and that smooths everything else right uh smooths everything out as in you know Venus right now is in the sign of Gemini the sign of communication and with the moon in Leo uh, and the moon and the sextile to Venus, there's a lot of possibility for constructive conversation, for smoothing over any kind of conflict, perhaps that's been going on in your own life or between you and other people. So it's a good thing, right? Today brings us a good thing. Now, we also have the dawning of the new Human Design Week today, and today is also one enlightening. We begin in the Pleiadian calendar, a new week. 
So we have uh, freshness in this uh, weekend, uh, newness in this weekend, and uh, one is always the new beginning in the Pleiadian calendar and enlightening. Let's turn on the light bulbs. Let's see things in a new perspective. So it really does seem like this is a great weekend that we have on tap, even though there may be some, you know, some scritchiness along the way. The new human design week, we're going to go diving into that in a little bit. Uh, but just to let you know, the sun has moved into the gate 24, which is called the gate of blessings in quantum human design or the gate of rationalization in traditional human design. And then the earth, the counterbalance or the challenge to be able to raise our energy to the level of the sun is at the gate 44, the last gate in the transit of the earth through the spleen center. This will be week seven of this transiting energy that has been provoking fear perhaps, or helping us to see our shadow energies more, uh, in, more clearly or in a way that allows us to move through it. Uh, and I'll explain more about what that means uh, in just a bit. Now tomorrow, Saturday, April 29th, wow, we're getting to the end of the month, I cannot even believe it. The moon will be in Leo and in the void, void of course, from 3.53 a.m. Pacific time until 11.59 a.m. Pacific time, which means that the void tells us we're about to change signs and it's a time where things just kind of wander, right? There's not a whole lot of energy to start something new or to move in a different direction or to get things done, really. It is really kind of a time to just wander. <laughs> so whether you wander or whether you just read a good book tomorrow morning is the day to do that. Now, if you're on the East Coast, of course, that's going to take you until uh, 2.59 p.m. So a good chunk of the day, but expect after that, the moon's movement into Virgo, giving us some energy to get out and do some things, right? To get some work done, to organize some things, to clean out some things. Um, you know, it's been a long winter for most of us in the country. So maybe it's a time to open the windows and let all the fresh air in and get rid of the winter doldrums. Um, but it is also a day when the moon will be in an opposition to Saturn. So be prepared for, you know, a time where perhaps we feel a little low or we feel a little more tired, lethargic maybe, but also maybe more imaginative, more creative, and more inclined to live in that more imaginal world rather than you know diving into the real world. And then as well on Saturday, Mars will be in a sextile to Uranus. And that always brings us good energy for doing things for inspiration. It's kind of the spark uh, for inspiration for maybe creative energy or for getting something done, getting a project up and running. Um, it is a time where you will likely need to do something to dispel physical energy because you're otherwise it may, you know, shoot around in your body or you may feel sort of like you are, uh, you know, anxious or nervous. So, get out, get some things done, have a good day on Saturday. On Sunday, the moon is in Virgo all day, 
and it is in a trine to the sun and in a trine to Mercury retrograde, which means that we have a day because that you know, trines mean that we're dealing with the same element. So if we have the moon in Virgo, Virgo is Earth. So that means the trine to the sun in Taurus is also in Earth. So there's compatibility there. And Mercury retrograde in Taurus, also Earth, same sign. So we have some opportunities to get some things done to simplify our lives, right? In some ways, this can be about tapping into the sensual, the sensual aspects, meaning what feels good to us and what doesn't feel good to us, those kinds of things. So it's a good weekend for that. And sometimes, you know, with the moons in Virgo, and sometimes that is kind of perfectionistic. But in reality, it really does help us to restore joy and the flow of joy in our lives. So, so Virgo perfectionism, even though it gets a bad rap and makes us think, you know, people are nitpicky and all of that, its purpose is to realign, right? And to bring things back into uh, preparing for the balance of Libra, the next sign, right? But perfecting is a part of restoring joy or joyful flow or um, just flow in general, abundance, that type of thing. So what can you do to help restore that in your own world, in your own house, in your own lives uh, over this weekend? All right. And then uh, let's see, I didn't look at Monday, but I'm guessing Monday the moon will transition, but not until late in the evening, uh, my time, and not until Tuesday morning for some of you, uh, will transition into Libra. All right. Now, Let's see. Let's say good morning to people. I have I see people chiming in with comments, so I want to say hi. Good morning to you, Tom. I see you out there. Requiem for a Tuesday. Good morning to you, Christine. Hello. Joan Durchy. Good morning, Corey. Good morning, Christine. Good morning to Tom. Or Tom says chime, chime. Not sure what that is, Tom. Uh, but that's okay. Debbie Tippett's two meal. Good morning to you. And Christine's volunteering. Debbie's volunteering. I'm going to write notes down. Debbie and Christine. Uh, okay. So then Corey. Cool. So hopefully we have time for three. That'll be good. JLo, hello to you. And uh, God, my vision is so blurry this morning. Debbie, we had a tornado touchdown in my town. A house lost its roof. The people had just moved out. Oh, my goodness. I'm so sorry. You guys don't normally have tornadoes, do you? Except maybe with hurricanes. Uh, that's just so interesting, right? JLo, thank you. Please remember to hit the like button. If you are on YouTube, share that video with your friends or your family, your networks. And if you are on Facebook, hit the... Uh, no, wait, it's thumbs up on YouTube. It's like on Facebook. Thank you very much. Good morning to you, Kajella, and hello to Londa. It is good to see you out there this morning. I was thinking about you this morning, too. Catherine Worcester, good to see you. She says, I'm so happy to be here. Good morning. And Joan also. Joan Darchi. Okay, so now let's dive into the human design week so that we can get over to galactic astrology galactic astrology which i'm overly excited to share with you apparently so the human design week begins today and runs through may 3rd so this is actually finishing up the transit of the sun or the uh, earth through all of the gates of the spleen 
and it completes the month of April. I actually included uh, this week in the month of April because otherwise I would have had a very long May, right? Because of the way the weeks work in human design. There are fewer days in the human design week than there are in the actual calendar week. So if I don't split it up like this, we end up with sometimes seven week months and I didn't wanna do that. So we have a six week month. This will close out all of this April energy and then open us into May's energy. But I'm really kind of excited about where the sun and earth are at this point in time, because the sun is sitting at a gate that for the longest time in traditional human design was called the gate of rationalization, which isn't particularly sexy. There's just not a whole lot you can, you know, when you're thinking about, when you're thinking about rationalization, it feels very mind oriented. It feels kind of even limited, like I'm rationalizing everything that's going on around me, or I'm rationalizing why I should or shouldn't do something, all of that type of thing. Um, so when quantum human design came along and Karen put the, the word blessings out there, I was like, awesome, because it is a much better word to describe what's going on at the gate 24. Even though rationalizing and rationalization are a part of the experience of the gate 24 as it sits on the Ajna, right? So it's part of the, uh, the mind. Now, for some of you, that may trigger some anxiety this week and anxious thinking, or this week, not just weekend, anxiousness if you get too much in your head and you're trying too hard to think your way through things. So when we look at this, this is um, a gate where when it's activated, we sometimes have to look at where it is we're settling for less than what we deserve or what we want in our lives. This gate does have a tendency to rationalize why I can't have more or why I should stay here or why I shouldn't do something, right? There's this rationalization that is has the effect of keeping us caught or keeping us in a stuck place. And there's a good number of questions here in, in the why category for people. Well, why should I change? Why is this happening to me? Why can't I do what I want to do? Why can't I go where I want to go? Those kinds of things. It asks the question why, almost like a two-year-old that's insistently asking the question why, right? Put your shoes on. Why? Go outside. Why? On and on. So the, the question becomes pressure that builds up at times, right? So the question is the search for the answer uh, to, or I mean the question why is the search for uh, what comes next. Now, here's the other thing here. This gate begins to translate knowingness. There isn't logic here. This isn't a gate of logic. It doesn't, it doesn't fall into the logical circuitry in your human design. So even though we're trying to rationalize and that feels like a very mind-oriented activity, this is not a part of that, that, uh, that series of gates. It's a part of the sensing circuit. It's a part of the circuitry that has knowingness. I don't know how I know what I know, I just know. But then tries to rationalize how it is that they know, right? And it, it can be, you know, this runaround in your head if you get caught up in the mind. Uh, it is also a gate that brings us the beginning of gratitude, being really grateful for 
all of the experiences that we've had in our lives, the good and the bad, right? All through the spectrum of things that we've experienced. The lesson in this gate is to learn to allow what you truly deserve into your life. That's what we're learning. And then to use the experiences that you've had to um, as catalyzing points for you to get through the pain. So the pain or the wound that you've experienced. So, you know, you taking all of the experiences in your life, right? We have this, you know, balance point of all of these experiences, some of them positive, some of them not so positive, and how it is that we frame those experiences, right? So we could frame things as, oh, woe is me. And this, you know, I'm always getting dumped on by others. My relationships never go anywhere, on and on. Or we can say, these are the things that I've learned from the experiences that I've had, right? That's the key, right? What are those experiences? Because in the shadow of this gate, we can take the experiences that we had and rationalize why we should protect ourselves, why we shouldn't take that next step, why it's too scary to do something different. Right. So the shadow here means that we get stuck in old patterns. We get stuck in old beliefs, all of that type of thing. And then we refuse to change or to transform our lives or we get caught in this pattern where we can't really do anything to create change. Right. Because now we're just stuck. And then um, fear and paralysis is a part of the earth at gate 44. Gate 44 has a fear of the past. Remember all of the gates on the spleen have a fear or a shadow, right? That they're uh, fielding in our body. Uh, remember the spleen itself is about survival and we've done a great job, right? Our fears have kept us alive as a species, right? Going back into history, it has been why the human race has th thrived and flourished. But now because we don't have the pressure point around survival instincts, like putting away food for the winter or, you know, getting, uh, you know, protection from other tribes or marauding groups. Now those fears have become things that are false, right? False evidence appearing real, an acronym, if you've never heard that for the word fear. And in that case, the fear here is really about the, the fear that things are going to happen the way they've always happened, right? Reading the signs incorrectly, as it were, this particular gate is a part of the logical sequence and then we can see patterns here and so let's say you're in a relationship and as you start to move through this relationship you start to note things that you had noticed in a previously failed relationship and then the fear gets triggered that this relationship is heading down that same road so you're bringing the baggage of the past up into the present when in reality, that may not even be the case, right? So we have to be very careful about allowing the past to hold us back or our belief that we, you know, the past is going to repeat itself. It never repeats itself in exactly the same way, by the way. It does repeat itself, but not necessarily in the way that we are afraid. So the, the earth at the gate 44 fears the past as in the past might repeat itself but it is also an intuitive awareness of patterns the thing is just don't take and predict the future specifically from a pattern that is triggering fear from the past 
no, don't rationalize. Oh my God, this relationship, the last time this person did, you know, I, I experienced this and now this person is doing something similar. And now I'm really concerned that I am going to experience the same thing, leading to a breakup perhaps or something. All right. There's beauty in this gate, though. This is a gate that recognizes how to beautify something, how to bring it back into balance, how to bring it back into harmony. And it has a very good sense of smell. Claire olfactance, we call it. And Claire olfactance means that you could smell a rat. You can smell when something isn't right. You can smell when something is really beautiful. Um, it's an interesting gate. Those of us who were born in 1961 have, I believe it's Neptune, at this gate. And there are times that I am smelling things that no one else is smelling, right? No one else can smell what I'm smelling. And I'm like, okay, what is this, what is this leading me to? And it could be, you know, something from a memory, from a pattern, from the past. So uh, it can be very uh, good at smell. Now, those of you who don't normally have the gate 44 defined, it might be rather odd for you to have this sudden clear olfactance uh, uh, coming in and you smelling your way forward, as it were. <laughs> um, now, the biggest lesson here is to not get stuck in those old patterns right? 24 and 44 work really well together in this aspect. And to have the courage to move forward, even in the face of fear, even in the face that you uh, of a pattern that you fear is going to repeat itself in the negative, that type of thing. Um, turn pain of the past into power, right? And powering your future, not holding you back to or holding you into an old past, which then leads you to compromise yourself. No need to compromise yourself, right? Compromising, not good. All right. Questions, comments. Um, water spouts on the Gulf. Debbie says that go onto land and then our tornadoes. We had two inch hail. Holy moly. Wow, wow, wow. You're, um, you're having some fun down there. Hmm. Take care of yourself. All right. So no questions. If you have questions, you can go ahead and put those in there. I'm now going to switch over to galactic astrology. So first of all, before I get over there, what is galactic astrology, right? What, how is it different from regular astrology? How is it different from human design? And in reality, it is different in how we calculate it or how we go and get that information. But it is still about you and how you can help to tap into, help yourself to tap into more truth about who you are. But we're doing it from a more galactic standpoint. And galactic, of course, implies ages past, right? Ages perhaps before the earth was here and or before you began life on the earth. We're really looking at, in this case, where the origins of your soul's experience in this galaxy, the Milky Way galaxy, began. Now, we see that through the astrological degrees that your planets are sitting at. All right, so we still have to look at your birth time, birthday, birthplace. And the in this case, the year and the birthplace become very important and impactful because different constellations and different star groups are visible at different times, right? And through different um, centuries. 
And of course, also important what hemisphere of the earth you live in and were born in because that becomes another key about what of your uh, lineage is going to show up on your grid or on your galactic astrology, in your galactic astrology. All right, so first let's take a look. I'm gonna have to, whoops, I have to share my screen first. And I'm gonna leave it to you guys to help me understand whether you're seeing, um, I have so many windows open, this is ridiculous. Here we go. You're going to have to tell me whether you see the transitions in my screen, if it's moving, uh, because I may not be able to tell that for sure. So the website that you want to go to is galacticastrochart.com, right up here, galacticastrochart.com. Now, because I've studied galactic astrology I, and I have an account, I'm logged in. I'm not sure. I think anybody can set up an account. Uh, but if you do, then you get to save your charts. And that's the only reason why I've really uh, liked to, to do this. And up at the top here is free reports, more information, online courses, practitioners of galactic astrology, uh, the constellations and stars that you want to know about. And then, of course, over here is where your personal charts are. Now, you won't have a personal chart unless you've already been here to this site. So uh, let's see. I'm going to hold on while I pull up for a second Astro because I'm going to need it to get me um, people's birth information. So Christine, I'm going to yours first, uh, stored Astro data, uh, Buckingham. Boop, boop, boop. Okay. So, oops. I did not need to do that. Go back. What I want is the birth date and information. March 9th and 9.24 a.m. Irvington, New Jersey. Okay, so Christine, now, um, <laughs> all right, somebody tell me, are you seeing my galactic chart again? Uh, so first, we're going to put in the birth information. So we have the 9th of March and March, and we're putting in the date 1958 at 9.24 in the morning. So these are all drop-down menus that you can use, which is so easy. And then on the birth city, you just start typing it in, and it usually will bring it up for you. So the first one that pops up is Irvington, New Jersey, right? And now you click on Calculate. I'm going to go back to StreamYard for a moment to make sure you guys are seeing what I'm seeing. Yes, and I can see that you're seeing what I'm seeing. All right, so let me go back to here. And now all of the planet positions pop up here. But what you have to do is actually click once in the box so that all of those settings are highlighted. Then right click on your cursor and copy that information and then paste it over here on this side, right? So that all of that information is gathered. And then click the button here that says import natal no, 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 you're not doing this to me today. Mm -mm. 
Okay, let's go back. It was working fine earlier. There. Whew. Okay. So it imported the natal chart data into this grid here. And this grid, again, these are all steps that you're taking in order to produce the chart, right? This is not necessarily how you read it. So don't get confused by all of that, right? So I'm going to generate uh, a basic report if I want just the basic report, but I want to look at an extended report. And what I want to do is show the degrees right of the of the sign i don't want to get to show trine sextile and square yet i really just want the conjunctions and the oppositions and now i get this beautiful report now i hope you guys are seeing all of this okay uh, let me go over to StreamYard real quickly and make sure you are you are seeing it awesome so what this is going the reason i asked for uh, not the, the sextiles, trines, and squares, is because I just want to know which star systems Christine has actually had lifetimes in, okay? The conjunctions and the oppositions of her planets of her birth chart in those star systems tell us where she's actually lived. And opposition will show us where maybe things were still not completely integrated. Uh, the lessons exactly, the experiences all weren't exactly, you know, integrated into her experience. And then the conjunctions will tell us where it is that she had successful lifetimes and had fully integrated all of the different lessons and so forth. And then that helps us with the planet. Now, of course, at the top here is the sun. Uh, let me see if I can throw out some columns here. I don't need, uh, I need the first connection. Let's see how far down do we go. Uh, I don't need connection two, and I don't need three, and I don't need four. Okay, so that's not making much change. But anyway, this condenses it a little bit so we can see this. Now, in a galactic astrology chart, we're actually going to reverse the process when we start to talk about where it is your soul arose in the, in the context of this solar system, right? And that's because Pluto, and we're not going to look down here at Chiron, Lilith, POF, and Vertex yet. We're going to look at, at Virgo, her, her Pluto in Virgo. And this is going to be the first place that her soul actually uh, encountered life in the Milky Way. Does that make sense? You guys have to let me know if you have questions. So her Virgo Pluto is in Leo conjunct the star system Regulus at 29 degrees, 15 minutes. That's what this here is showing you, what degree it's at in terms of constellation. And you are going to see right away that's different from Virgo. And why is that? That is because we have not taken into account in the astrology wheel, the precession of the equinoxes, right? And that means that when we're looking at what zodiac sign it's in, the Pluto is not in that as a constellation anymore. It's now in this point at Leo. So we're looking at 2915 Leo. And then this last number in parentheses here shows you how close to that star it is in orbs orbs meaning this is a 1.23 degree orb or closeness or distance from 
being an exact conjunction. All right, did I lose anybody here? Let me check and see comments. Um, okay, I, th I think everybody's seeing this. I don't see any questions about that. All right, so galactic uh, for her, I'm sorry, Leo is where her star system, uh, her Pluto, where she first came into this star system was in through the Leo regulus uh, gateway, okay, or constellation. Now, if there were more than one sitting here, and she doesn't, she has really only one at each of the places, but if she had two conjunctions here, let's say, what we would do is look at which one of them was closest, right? Which one of them, this number here was closest. So the lower that number would be, the closer it would be to that conjunction and it would be more of more importance to the discussion of her lifetimes in other galaxies. Now, then we can go up to Neptune. Neptune was uh, a place where she was conjunct the Shapley Attractor, which is part of the super galactic center, I believe. Her Neptune is about two and a half degrees away from that, so not real close. So we're talking about time that she spent there. Um, uh, that is probably um, one that she actually was in, had integrated well, and she spent more. You've spent more time, Christine, at the Shapley Attractor and at the Galactic Centers. So something about those places. Your Saturn is conjunct the Galactic Center. Your Jupiter is conjunct the Shapley Attractor, also part of the Galactic Super Center, Super Galactic Center, and you, apparently you've really enjoyed being and living in the galactic center of some and you know the galactic centers are all uh crossroads right the crossroad area so you likely have come into contact with a whole lot of people a lot of different life forms different races from different star systems including ones that are probably outside of the milky way that's how souls would cross from other universes into our universe. Sometimes they come through that galactic center. So you've been, you know, sort of um, around a lot of different types of people, of life forms. I, I, we say people because we're humanoids, but life forms. Let's do that. Okay. And look at how many times, right? One here and Neptune and Saturn and Jupiter. And then when we come into the closer planets, we see that there's a galactic Shapley attractor opposition with the nodes. So your north and your south node are across that galactic center. Uh, and it's amazing to me how much that there is. And I feel like as I'm looking at this, because there's no sun placements here. So this is likely a lifetime on Earth, I would say, that you haven't been here very many times, right? That you're bringing a lot of wealth of experience from these far-flung places into this particular planet, all right? So now I'm going to do something else. Now I want to show you how complex this can get if we show the trines, the sextiles, and the squares. So oppositions and conjunctions show us where you've actually held lifetimes at, right, where you've been. The trines, sextiles, and squares shows you the 
um, quality of the experiences you've had with the life forms of these other star systems. So I'm going to regenerate this report and now look at how populated that is, right? There are a lot of things, places, experiences that you have had out and about in the galaxy or in the galactic uh, sense. So here's where we see some sun lifetimes, right, that you have held. Um, we have a sextile and we have two squares, right? So a sextile to Lyra, a, a square to uh, Rigel and Bellatrix in Orion, and a square to Nihal, which is in Lepus or Lepus. So you do have some lifetimes where you've interacted with people or life forms from that, those systems, but not necessarily having lived there, right? And some of them were quite tricky, right? There's some, you know, Orion energy here that if we actually dove in and, and started working through all of this, we might find that you were likely a part of possibly the Orion um, uprising, the galactic wars that took place there. Um, as part of, you know, the evolution of those systems. And uh, Nihal, Nihal happens to be the, not quite the closest, but a very close square. In that case, this is a planet where a lot of the uh, crystal children or the, um, the, the higher forms of people, what, what are they, the, the people that came, oh my Lord, my brain, uh, that are, having brought a lot of experiences into this planet of a higher evolutionary sort. So we get a lot of the crystal children, uh, crystal souls coming in through the planet Nihal. Your closest is Lyra at the, looks like Shaliak, um, 0.13 of a degree. So that's probably the most recent uh, lifetime and also at the star or the ring nebula M57 in uh, the Lyran system. Now, Lyra is an, a very old connection. It is one of the first star systems that we learn about in galactic astrology. Uh, it was a system that uh, had been destroyed. A lot of planets were destroyed in that system uh, from the draconian uh, takeovers and wars and things like that. So there's a lot of energy in Lyra, uh, a fear around, you know, annihilation or being destroyed. A lot of Lyrans went out into the star systems from a lot of different places. And even though I don't necessarily see, it, yeah, Pluto, look at all the Pluto places. You know, you're only been conjunct Regulus, but there's Andromeda, Orion, Galactic, Shapley Attractor, again, Pleiades, and Centauri, right? Alpha Centauri. So you've been around the block, I would say, Miss Christine. Now, you can go here free and generate this kind of a chart. Um, and you can, you know, print it off. I'm not sure that it's going to print with color like it does here. So I usually use a print screen function or I go up to, I don't think you're going to uh, end up with that because yeah, uh, you won't be able to, but print screen it or, you know, copy it and then print it so that you have the color. All right. Questions. I'm going to stop sharing for a minute so I can go back.
How's everybody doing? Indigo, that's the one, Christine. Thank you. Uh, Tom says, are there astrology systems that factor in the precession of the equinoxes and would you name them? It's not that, it, so if you do sidereal astrology, they're going to, uh, they're um, correcting for the precession of the equinoxes. Um, Vedic astrology also corrects for the precession of the equinoxes. So they're different systems than what we typically do, uh, than what I typically do. Uh, but those systems are out there and available for you to get that information. Uh, yeah, I, color codes, Kajela, um, I don't know if I want to get into all of that, but they are in different colors to help you see which uh, star systems, you know, each star system has its own color. Uh, so like, for example, um, let me see if I can go back to that chart and share it. <sighs> so when we go back here to Christine's chart and you see these different colors, the different colors will help you pick out when you look at the chart, all of the planetary systems that go together. So here's a Lyra here, here's a Lyra here. And as I go down here, I'm looking for this purpley color that will tell me how many think times I've been interacting or that you've been interacting, uh, Christine, with Lyra. And there's only three, right? Here's one here, a conjunction with of your part of fortune. So apparently that is a place that was really well integrated and where you found luck in your interactions with people uh, of that particular system. And if you want to look at Orion, they're all going to be this dark reddish brown. So you can go through and find here's another Orion and here's another Orion just by pointing at just by looking at the colors. Right. They So the ones that are, are together are all in the same color. All right. In the same constellations, in other words. Is there more than that you want to add to that, Kajela? Because I'm, I'm totally open if that's something that you want to do. Um, once we have a chart, then what? Are there explanations for each transit or do we need a session with you? Well, in order to really understand, right now today, my whole purpose was just to show you how to get a chart and how to begin the process of reading what the information tells you, right? So that's the point. You've got a chart now and you know that you're looking first at the oldest at the furthest out planet which is pluto to find out where your soul arose in the system right or in the milky way that's what i mean by system and then moving upward to see where the other connections have been now on this page on when you go to let's see if i can do this i go to desktop is that going to show it to me no more uh, let's go to meanings. So there's information on the site itself that generally tells you what is going on with the planet. So star systems aligned with the sun, the moon, and the ascendant can be indicating your most recent soul history or your human ancestral DNA in the case of the sun and moon especially uh, and what star systems they're linked to. Here's a little explanation of the aspects. Um, if you have multiple alignments, what that means, if you have no alignments, what that means, the houses, etc. And one thing to note, the uh, I use whole sign when I do astrology readings, but in galactic astrology, we use Placidus. So 
we can manually change it to other systems, but I just kind of go with the flow of Placidus here because I don't have enough experience to see how changing that house system would affect or impact the chart. And yes, to answer your question, uh, you can get a reading from a galactic practitioner. I am not yet one of those. I am, I've done all the stuff. This is so bad. I've done all the studying. I just haven't done the actual certification process. So while I know a lot about it, I just haven't gone through that next step. All right. So now, uh, let's see, we did Christine. Let's see who was next. Debbie Tibbetts Tumiel. So Debbie, um, let's see. I stopped sharing so that I could actually. Here's the problem. I'm logged in. All right, now I'm going to share my screen from being logged in. Because in this case, you can see actually what the systems mean. And that's what I was kind of looking for. And again, this one. All right, so when you're logged in, then you get access to the galactic astrology and all of the different star systems are here that most of the star systems, not all of them, because we've recently added new ones. And there's a link here where you can get the full list of uh, the fixed stars. Uh, this is a page where you could select the year you were born. Uh, let's just select a random year, uh, 2000, and generate that report. And then all of the constellations and the star names pop up where they are as of the year 2000. And also, when you see this, the orb here tells you what orb we use to tell whether it's close enough to really be effective in your chart as a person, right? So if it's within, uh, uh, for reticulum, alpha reticulum, in the year 2000, it was at 7 degrees, 47 minutes of Aries, and an opposition would be those same degrees in Libra. And within 1.30 or one and a half degrees, you could say it's a conjunction, an opposition, a trine, a sextile, or a square. But, you know, that gets you a little further into uh, this as a study. Now let's go back to the chart here. Uh, there we go, the calculator. So now, Debbie, we're going to do yours. And you are April 23rd. Um, I think it's 1954. There we go. I better check and make sure um, before I go and do that. Just a moment while I check this out. Uh, yes, 2117. in 2117 in Brockton. There it is. Calculate. All right. So in a moment, then remember, you fill in this information and then it pops up in the planetary positions. You just click on it. It highlights it. Right click to copy and then come over to the blank slate over here and paste it into that and import the data and decide how you want to show this. I'm going to show the degrees and I'm going to generate an extended report of just Debbie's oppositions and 
the conjunctions. So we can see it in its stripped down form before we go on into looking at it in a, another crazy way. So Debbie, when we look at yours, Pluto has no connections, right? There's nothing here in Pluto. So then if there is nothing in Pluto, we move to the next up planet, which is Neptune. And Neptune for you had a conjunction to Spica and within uh, a degree, a 1.16 degree, so it's fairly close. But look at this, you have a closer connection and a stronger connection, therefore, to Arcturus in Boots, which is the uh, constellation. And it's a conjunction that is only one half of a degree away. So I would say, I would look at this and say, this is the most, uh, the furthest back uh, expression of you in this Milky Way galaxy through Arcturus. Now, Arcturus is a big gateway. That's a, it's an important uh, star in the system. You have a couple of different connections here, another conjunction to Arcturus with your Black Moon Lilith and also to Spica. So you have those two things matching. And if we follow the color up here, do we have any other boots? No, and we don't have any other Virgos just right here in Neptune and in Lilith. So those would be your oldest um, lifetimes in this system. And if we go up, we have also a Lyran or Lyran uh, opposition here. Now, this is an opposition. The difference between the opposition and a conjunction is the conjunction energy is well integrated into your experience as a soul. Either you live there enough times that you were able to integrate all the challenges that you faced, or you had significant interactions with uh, life forms there that you really well integrated that, that information into you. When you have the opposition, the opposition is also a lifetime spent on that, that system or in that system, but one that wasn't fully integrated. Now, I wonder, just a spitballing here, this is a very tight 0 0.02 with Uranus in Lyra opposite an opposition. Uh, to, actually, that's the ring nebula that one is where Lyran system is possibly where you encountered some real turbulence, right, between uh, planets that were being destroyed and people uh, migrating outward to other pla places in the in the galaxy, uh, trying to flee war from the attacks of the draconian uh, system. And uh, possibility is that you know that life was interrupted, perhaps, uh, or your you know. You were like, I'm out of here, right? <laughs> I'm not dealing with this this war system. We could look deeper at that during a galactic reading to see more about what was going on here. Your Saturn was also in a conjunction to the Shapley Attractor, which is again the super galactic center. Uh, Orion, you've spent some time there. Uh, also opposite the galactic center of this universe, right? Of this Milky Way. And then Centaurus, Cetus, here's some more Lyra, right? You had a conjunction, your nodes here um, more recently in a conjunction and an opposition, obviously, because there's always a conjunction and an opposition with the north and the south nodes. And then a different one than uh, Christine, when you were part of the Hyades, which are in the constellation Taurus. 
and hiatum one. So that, that's a constellation within the zodiac sign of, of Taurus. And then most recently, like the most recent lifetime where you were uh, at is in the galactic, uh, super galactic center at the Shapley Attractor. It was an opposition, so not well integrated. So likely you've come here to Earth to integrate some of that uh, uh, thing, whatever it was you were experiencing there into this lifetime. And now I can look at the houses and I can kind of determine that what you weren't able to fully integrate possibly was your artistic qualities or your creative energies, um, the energies of love and romance or creative uh, impulses to self-expression, um, possibly not taking enough risks, right? That that you you weren't like getting out of your comfort zone there. So you come to Earth where you could, you know, have that polarity experience of uh, becoming, expressing more of that creativity. Now, again, let's put the uh, trine, sextiles, and squares in. And again, you're going to see how busy this gets, right? This gets busy. And we even pick up some Draco connections uh, where perhaps you had uh, that square. So some irritation, some, some conflict going on perhaps with beings from the Draco system. Um, and that, does that tie in with your Lyran uh, North Node and South Node? Quite possibly, right? Because Draco is the system where the attacks were coming from, right? They were trying to take over the Lyran system and they did a fairly good job of it during that period of time. Uh, and you can see on and on all of these different connections that you have. Now, I realize that we're not really talking about what were those experiences, right? Because that's a that's going to be a much deeper discussion. That's more of the realm of having a reading or a session in order to find out that information. But you can do a lot on your own just by you know, doing some searches, searches on those systems. So you can get an idea of what was the life like there or what, was, what were the people or the life forms like, all right? Okay. Uh, yeah, you're right. It is cleaner, Kajela, but the, the colors, help you really key into which systems belong together. And that's why I like kind of the color ones. And Joan says, I did my own chart. Awesome. Good, good, good. So you've already been able to look at that. Pam, if Lilith is closer, 0.15 or Uranus, 0.04, would they be stronger than Pluto at 1.5? Um, so Pluto is the oldest connection that you would have. So if it is a conjunction, or if it is an opposition, that is your first incarnation into this system. All right. So uh, you want to look at that one, right? Lilith is one that adds some salt and pepper to the whole season spicing of your of your lifetimes. But it's not one that we really look at to see what was your first encounter in the solar system. It would be Pluto. Now, if you had multiple um, connections with Pluto, then we would want the most closest one, right? That's gonna be the, the one with the least amount of orb because that's the one that was the most recent, all right? Does that make sense? 
Okay. And what was the other part? Now, Uranus point zero four. Again, if you had, we're just looking at each planet separately. We're not comparing the planets to each other as to how close they are. Just the planet. So if you're looking at Uranus and it's point zero four, and you have another one that's at one point three, the one at Uranus with point zero four is the one that was the strongest connection and most likely the most recent one. Okay, of the older connections. Okay, does that make sense? Good. All right, now, again, this is such a vast subject. I mean, this is vast. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's exciting to do this. It's really exciting to look at this and to see where those connections are. But it's even more exciting when you start to con con connect those to the people that in your lives and run their charts and see, oh, you know, where did we both come from the same star systems? Or did we meet in another star system and then come to Earth to have a lifetime together? It, it's fascinating. So it really, and it's a full on, um, study. So take time with this. First learn how do I get a chart and then orient yourself to that chart in terms of how to read the succession of lifetimes and then maybe go out on your own and search research for some of the information on those star systems. Uh, there are also really good videos that she has on that website or links to YouTube videos. There's also information by a woman named Debbie Solaris and um, Danon. What is her first name? Eileen Danon or Ellen Danon. Uh, Bernadette Brady also does some really good information on star systems, stars themselves. And uh, that will at least get you you know, started on this project, and then I can take you further as we learn more about it. All right, that is it for me today. Now, here is an announcement. I will not be here at all next week. I am on vacation until May 10th. That's when I return to work, actually May 9th, um, but that's a Tuesday. So my next broadcast will actually be on May 12th, right? So you won't see me for about two weeks. And I apologize for that. I'll probably still post some things for you, but I won't be doing broadcasts until then. Another announcement coming. I've been working in the background on some new courses that I will be putting out. Look for the first free webinar on that around June 3rd, 1st through 3rd. I thought about doing it on the 1st, but that's a weekday. So I'm thinking I might do the introductory webinar on June 3rd. Uh, as that is a day where more people can maybe participate. We'll see which day I do that. Debbie says she's confused. That's okay. I expect that. This would be like me introducing astrology for you to you for the very first time and you not really having an understanding of what it means to be a Taurus or any of that, right? So be okay with that. It's okay. We'll, things will clear up as time goes on. All right. Thanks, everybody. Take care, and we'll talk soon. All right. Bye for now.